That song says something really cool to me. It says that I was blind and now I see. I was lost and now I'm found. And that all I can see is that Jesus is my testimony. And this is the first time that I've ever heard this song. But those lyrics kind of got to me because you realize that great things happen in your life when you meet Jesus. And when you put your faith in God, great things begin to happen in your life. But you have to realize that it's not you, that Jesus is still your testimony. He was then, he is now, and he will be forever. And that's just something that just sits really well with me. It does. So thank you, band, for playing that. You guys can go back. You guys are awesome. And we have the best praise team in the whole world. I'm just saying, they're pretty great people. It's awesome. I love music. So anyways, for those of you who don't know who I am, my name is Quinn, and I am the student director here at Barefoot Church. So I take care of our teenage group every Wednesday night. It's called Unleashed. Sometimes it can get a little dramatic, but it's okay. They're teenagers. We understand. We're going to work with them. But I am here because Pastor Clay asked me to be here because he is going to be speaking tonight at our first Sunday night service. So please come back for that, hear a great word from Pastor Clay, and come enjoy the food vendors and all the great things that we're going to have tonight. And of course, Pastor Clay is going to be, who, who likes when Pastor Clay preaches, right? That's why we're here, right? We like Pastor Clay preaching. It's crazy. It's awesome. So please come back tonight to hear Pastor Clay preach. So I'm going to be speaking this morning, and I want to share a quick story with you guys before I get really too deep into this. There was a and I believe it kind of happens to, to, to more than just me, but there was a time when you're, my, like in your younger Christian days, when you first start to accept Christ, happened to me when I was about 14, 15 years old, and I didn't really understand what Christians and what the church and what this church life was fully about, because, I mean, I kind of went to a more of a, a, a smaller, smaller-oriented Southern Baptist Church in Virginia, the congregation was probably like maybe 50, 60 people, like really small place. The student group was like six people. It's crazy. So they kind of, it was a great place. Really, it got me saved. They preached the gospel of Jesus very well. But I, I never really understood what church was. I thought that being a Christian meant that you just believed in God, did some really cool things for Jesus, and then came to church on a Sunday, and then you went home and went back to your normal life. I, that's what, kind of what I saw church as being. I'm like, hey, church is the building where we go and have a nice little service, and then we leave and go home, go out to lunch with our grandma, and then go home. Like, this was, this was church to me. But as I grew in my faith and started coming to this amazing place called Barefoot Church after I moved to Myrtle Beach, Pastor Clay started preaching something different. He, he preached a message, and he uses a verse called Ephesians 2.10, where it tells you that you're much more than just a person that just comes and sits in a seat and then goes home on a Sunday. He started to kind of, he started to kind of tell me and tell everybody in the church that the building isn't the church, and that's, that's correct teaching. It's the people, that we were the church, that the church was the people, that I was the church in a way, that me as a living person was the church, and us together as a family were the living church. And it was crazy to me to hear this for the first time, like, oh my gosh, so you mean being a Christian is more about than just saying that I believe in Jesus and going to church? Like God cares about more than my church attendance punch card? What? So it was it's crazy to be hearing all that stuff for the first time. And it kind of gave me a whole new way to see church as, wow, church is the people that God has entrusted his message to, to bring to the whole world. Man. And that's us as a people, like that's church. This is just the meeting where we come together as a family to be encouraged together, to fellowship together, and to love one each other. And then we leave here, and the real mission, the real work is out there. And that was like, wow! And all of that stuff started happening to came to me because of hearing Pastor Clay's teaching. And it kind of gave me a moment of like that sudden realization. You know, like, like, when, you get the, when, you're like when you're looking for something for so long, and then you get that sudden moment of oh my gosh, this is what it's about. This is what life is about. This is it. This is the moment. I had that moment that day, and in our day, in our culture, there's a really cool word for that moment, and it's called epiphany. And I don't know why. I'm a word person. I love words. I love to say funny words, and I love to look at funny words. And if you look at the word epiphany, it is spelled in some jacked-up way. And that's why I like it. 
because it's just spelled weird. And so, but the word epiphany literally means the sudden realization of something that you've been looking for for so long. That is what it means in our English language and in our English culture. That's what it means today. So that is what I want to talk about today. I want to specifically talk about that word epiphany and what it can do for us and what it can mean for us. And I really believe that as a church and as a church family, that we need to come together and have an epiphany today about why we're here, why we exist, and why this church is where it is today. And when I say this church, I mean this family, I mean Barefoot Church, why Barefoot Church is here, why Pastor Clay is here, and why he preaches what he preaches. I believe that we need to come together today and let's, let's have a little epiphany together because who knows that, like I said, church is a place where you come and you learn stuff. You're supposed to, no matter how young, how old, how, like, where you come from, when you walk into the church doors, you're supposed to leave completely different than you walked in every single Sunday, every single Sunday. Doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian, doesn't matter how long you believed in Christ, the Bible says that whenever the word of God is spoken, it will never fall on a false heart. It will never fall, basically, it will never fall mute. It will do something to someone. So the word of God, which is the Bible, it also teaches that it's the sword. It cuts through bone and flesh. It goes straight to the soul. So if you walk in here and you leave and you feel like, well, I didn't learn anything today, that's not God's fault. That means you didn't walk in here with an open heart ready to receive something that he was going to try to say to you. So this is what church is. And I believe that today we can learn something. That's why we're here. And to learn something. And I'm learning something too, because literally half the time I write these fantastic notes. I have like three pages of them. And half the time I don't even follow them. I just say what comes to happen. I'm, I'm just being serious. So I'm kind of like teaching myself at the same time because I don't know if you know this, but this isn't fully me speaking. I'm just sharing with you what the Bible says. So it's really, I kind of, I had to teach myself to even prepare this. So we're, we're all learning together, basically. We're all learning together. So I am also, I'm a very, I'm a very straightforward talker. I don't really like to go around the bush too much. Like if you, if you don't know me, I hate it when someone's talking to you and they have a problem with you, and they're like, hey, Quinn, I just feel like um, the way that you're doing that, it could possibly be done better if maybe you considered, dude, just tell me what I'm doing wrong. Like, just get to the point already. Don't just walk around like, like, I have stuff to do other than talk to you all day. So if we could get there, I'm kidding. So, no, but even if you have a problem with me, I love it when you just, like, when you just get to the point. So I'm a very, very straightforward person. So I want to talk about this, the epiphany that I think we need to have is over this thing called vision, over this thing called vision and God's plan for this church. I want to share with you today the vision that Pastor Clay has set forth for this church, for this family, for this people, and God's plan for this church and these people. And I believe that if you don't know it by now, I'm going to say it again, but I, I hope you should know it. This man gets up here every single weekend and pours his heart out to you guys about what he believes that we should be and what God's put in his heart about, as a church, how we should be. But with that vision, and Pastor Clay says this word to you, again, I love words. He says this word permeate. He says the word permeate a lot. Um, but I love the word permeate because it, it's crazy. It's an awesome word. But like the point of why we're here, and he says this all the time, is that Barefoot Church exists in the community that it exists to learn here in this room, but then go out and permeate the earth with God's presence. He says that all the time. So the vision has been set forth in front of you repeatedly. And I believe that my first point, kind of, kind of piggybacks right on my first point. The vision's been set forth in front of all of us, including myself, and sometimes we do this thing called sleep on it. Uh, so my first point is stop sleeping on the vision. It's stop sleeping on it. Now, I'm going to explain to you a little bit um, about what stop sleeping on the vision means. Sleeping on something is kind of a, it's kind of a youthful term. That our teenagers use it. But what it basically means is if something's really, really, really good, like if you came to me and you were explaining to me of how good Elvis was or Taylor Swift was, and I was like, who the heck is Elvis? Who's Taylor Swift? Like, I don't think they're that great. They're just kind of, eh, they're kind of average. Eh. I'd be, I would be metaphorically sleeping on that person because I'm not recognizing how good they are. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not woken up to what they have to offer me. I'm not woken up to what this has to offer me. So I believe that the vision's been cast in front of us, but I believe as a whole church family, we spend a lot of time sleeping on it. 
We don't really recognize what the vision of this church has to offer us. We don't really recognize what Jesus has come to offer us, which is more than just a salvation. It is an entire life of purpose after the salvation. And sometimes I think that we, 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 we sit here on it like, eh, it's okay. I'll just come to church. Let's go home. It's no big deal. I don't have to do anything other than that. So I want us to kind of have this awakening to, to wake us up, basically. Just to wake us up. To honestly believe and trust and love why we're here. Because again, Pastor Clay says all the time, why the local church exists is to grow the local church. We exist to bring people to Christ. We exist because we believe there's a God in heaven who can change the whole world. We exist because we want to permeate that through the entire earth. That's the vision. The vision is to go out of these doors one day and walk out into a beach that we're happy to raise our kids in, that we feel comfortable being in, that we can walk to Walmart in the middle of the night and feel safe. This is the vision. The vision is to change the entire world, not just physically, but spiritually. To not have a single person ever have to die and go to hell ever again is the vision. But we sleep on it sometimes. And this is a vision that Pastor Clay has set forth for us and our church. But what if, what if it's something crazy, and I told you that this is not only Pastor Clay's vision, but Pastor Clay believes this because this is God's vision. This is a thing that God set forth for all humankind. That one thing, that one purpose, that one thing. Yes, you may have many different gifts, talents. What you're good at may look different than what I'm good at. I am an athletic person. I excel at sports. For example, Eddie is a musician. He asked me earlier today why I wasn't playing guitar. Because <laughs> I can't. That's why. <laughs> it's, it's that simple. I'm just, it literally took me like 45 minutes to learn the simplest chord. And my buddy Alex, he taught me the chord. I'm like, cool, I learned this. It only took me 45 minutes. How long does this take the average person to learn? He goes, oh, about five minutes. Oh, so it only took me about 14 times the average. I'm done with this. I'm done. It's not good stuff for me. So our gifts may look different. Our talents may look different. And what we use to accomplish that mission may look different for each individual person. That's why you are an individual. But it's why the Bible also says that you belong to one body and one purpose, which is to permeate the earth with God's presence. So you may be an individual, but we are the same family who works together for the same God, for the same Jesus, for the same Son, and for the same mission. It's all the same. So what if I told you, I'm going to read it to you too. This is in the book of Matthew in chapter 28, and this is Jesus talking to us. This is after he's risen. He's, he's done his whole mission. Jesus has fulfilled his purpose. They buried him. He rose back from the grave. We know that story. This is, this is right before he's about to go back to heaven, that he's going back to heaven He's going to ascend very soon after he says this. But this is like, this, these are the last verses in the whole book of Matthew. This is the last thing that Matthew, this is one of the, the last thing that Matthew records of Jesus' life. And this is something that he directly tells his disciples, which is us. We are Jesus' disciples. The word disciple simply means follower of Christ. So they were his disciples, we are his disciples. And this is what it says Jesus came and told his disciples. I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. That alone, I could stop right there and live on that for the rest of my life. Just that alone. Knowing that the same Jesus who died to forgive me of everything that I had because he loved me so much. But he didn't just love me so much to die for me. He loved me so much to come back and live for me. Then the fact that he's been given all authority, pfft, I'm okay with that. So, but he doesn't stop there. He gives us a mission. He says, because I've been given all authority... This is what I command of you. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. Not just your friends, not just your workplace, but everybody, all the nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then, don't just stop there. Don't just stop at the salvation. Don't just stop at the baptism, but go farther. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That's crazy. So this is the direct, straight up, can't ignore it, in your face, command of Jesus to all of humankind. And somehow, some way, and everybody's guilty of it, 
We, we've just, we've fallen asleep on it. We've forgotten that that was what life was about. We've had a moment in our life where we've forgotten that this is the whole point of why we're here. It's not, it wasn't a fun thing that Jesus said to do for fun when you feel like it. It wasn't a idea, you, hey, you might want to go out there because I'm amazing and because I can save the souls of everybody here. You might want to consider telling your best friend about it because if it, he was like, he said, now, therefore, because I've been given all authority, therefore, go. Like, get up, get moving, get out the door, go. Go get something done. Go preach this good news. Go tell all the nations about what I can do for them. Go baptize them. But don't stop there. Don't just stop and say, okay, you've been baptized. Have a good day. Woo! Like, go back to them, spend time with them, hang out with them, love on them, teach them, show them how to follow me, show them how to become greater than you. Did you know that's, that's the one burden of all teachers, is that your students should become greater than you? It's the one burden of all teachers. Because if your student doesn't become greater than you, you haven't taught them well enough. It's just the way it works. Every basketball coach wants his, t- wants his basketball player to be better than he was. That's how the team wins. So Jesus is our teacher, what if Jesus wanted us to be better at telling people about himself than he was? Whoa. Whoa. Instantly mind blown. This is, this, this is the crazy stuff that goes through my mind sometimes. Of like, like, I sit there and I ask myself sometimes on my couch, I'm like, what am I doing? Like, have you ever genuinely asked yourself that question? Like, gotten to the point where you ask yourself, what am I doing? If this is the purpose, this is where we're supposed to be going, this is the goal of the local church, what am I doing? I'm not pointing fingers, I'm just saying this is what I did to myself in order to get any of this ready, was I had to ask myself, well, I can't say any of this unless I'm doing most of it or all of it. What am I doing? Is what I'm doing with my life fulfilling that vision? Because yes, it is Pastor Clay's vision, and yes, it is the vision of the church, and yes, it is the vision of Barefoot, but it's also Jesus' command. And if I prayed to him one day and told him that he could save me, and then told him that I wanted to live the rest of my life for him, and then told him that he was the Lord of my life, and I say, well, the good Lord's going to get me through this, that's great. But when the good Lord gives you a command, you got to follow that too. So... If you believe he's the Lord and he's the Lord of your life, when he gives this command of your purpose on earth is to go make new disciples and teach them how to follow me, that is our purpose. End of story. That's the way it is. Of course, there are, there are a lot of ways to get there. There are a lot of ways to do that. And there are a lot of avenues, roads, and talents. I've had my mind blown of things I could teach people about Christ. Like, I didn't know that I'm not techie at all. I am not tech savvy. I don't even know what I'm doing. I can barely turn on my own laptop. If it doesn't turn on, I have to text someone. Why isn't it turning on? I'm just being serious. So, and they're like, did you try unplugging it and plugging it back in? Yes. It's the first thing that I did. So, but it's, it's crazy to me because when you really understand this, it's like my goal is to, have you, is to have several epiphany moments all through this message, is to over and over again to sit there to yourself and go, oh my gosh, that's what it's about. So I found that when I woke up about 17 years old when I came here, when I realized that life had so much more to offer me than just my simple salvation, when I realized that God had so much more that he wanted to give me than just my simple salvation, I had to realize one fact. And as a prideful, prideful, prideful young man that I was, it was a really hard pill to swallow when I figured out that in order to believe any of this, I had to swallow the pill that it was not about me. Period. It's the first pill you got to swallow if you want to follow this vision. Your, Your gorgeous hair, if you have it, isn't about you. Your great face isn't about you. Your talents that you have isn't about you. Your family isn't about you. Your job isn't about you. Your life isn't about you. Your church family isn't about you. It's all about Jesus. All of it. The whole Bible. The entire Bible is all about Jesus. Like it's, I went to the C3 conference in Texas about a month ago. Was it a month ago? Cool. I got it right. So... We went to the C3 conference in Texas about a month ago, and 
I knew the Bible was about Jesus, but I didn't know that like literally everything was about Jesus. To the, I mean, I knew it was all about Jesus, but I didn't know that every story pointed to him. I also didn't realize how much Jesus talked about himself. It's crazy. So that means it's okay for me to talk about myself. Jesus did. I'm kidding. So I'm not the Messiah. But Jesus talked about himself a lot. And there's this story that I realized, it's called the Good Samaritan story, of where this dude gets beaten up, left, left half dead on the side of the road. This guy comes along and helps him out, tra- puts him on the donkey, takes him to the inn, pays the innkeeper to take care of him. It's a popular Bible story. I didn't realize that that was Jesus. I knew Jesus told the story, but I didn't know Jesus was telling a story about himself. Like, and then he, this preacher, really great guy, Really great preacher, love him to death. Now I listen to all his podcasts. Um, little, little great guy called Judah Smith. If you know who I'm talking about, he um, he explained the story in this way: the Good Samaritan was the person. The dude who got beaten up on the side of the road was Jew. He's Jewish. Now the Samaritans were people. They lived. They lived in this community called Samaria, and they were basically the outcast and the rejects of the world. The Jews believed that they weren't. They weren't like them. They weren't perfect. So they they, they rejected them. So the, now the Jew was the guy that got beaten up and left half dead on the side of the road. Keyword, half dead. Definition of half dead is well, part of you's alive, part of you's not. Kind of like our flesh is alive, but our spirit's not. We're half dead before we meet Christ. We're half dead. Flesh is alive, spirit is not. So he's left on the side of the road like that. The temple leaders, the teachers, the religious people walk on by and leave him. The other Jews, the Jewish temple leaders, the Jewish preachers walk on by and leave him on the side of the road. But the Samaritan, being the guy that was rejected, probably had already freely been rejected by the guy that was beaten up because he was a Jew and this guy was a Samaritan. Samaritan. But the crazy thing is, is the one that was rejected loved the Jew so much, even though the Jew had rejected the Sumerian, that he stopped and helped him. And then, sound like somebody we know, even though we didn't want him, he still stopped and helped us and healed us and put us back together. And then he got off his donkey, and the Bible says the Samaritan put the Jewish guy on his donkey, and the Samaritan walked. So he traded places with the, with the Jew that was beaten up. He got off his high horse, he got out of his place of honor, got down on the ground, and then put the Jewish man on the donkey back in his place of honor. Sound like someone we know that did that for us on the cross? That's crazy to me. He traded places with us. The Bible says that Jesus, the one who knew no sin, became sin so that we could be made righteous and holy and perfect in the eyes of God. He traded places with us. And then it gets better. It didn't stop there. And then it goes on. It talks about how then he took him to an inn. He wasn't done. He saved him. He put him on the donkey. He traded places, but Jesus wasn't done yet. So then the Samaritan took the Jewish guy on the donkey into this inn, basically like a little old-fashioned hotel, and he put him up for the night. And then he paid the tab to the innkeeper and then said something crazy. Here's the money for the night, basically. If the bill runs any higher than this, I will fully pay the rest when I come back. <laughs> Sound like somebody else we know. It's crazy to me. So like understanding this, I realized, oh my gosh, everything is about Jesus. Jesus talks about Jesus. Jesus' stories are about Jesus. It was all about Jesus. So then I'm like, nothing could possibly be about me. It's all about him. Yes, he thinks I'm great. Yes, he thinks that we're all amazing. Yes, he thinks you're amazing. Yes, he gave you amazing talents. But he gave you those amazing talents so you could fulfill his mission, fulfill his vision, to be about his business. Even Jesus told his parents, why didn't you know where I was at? Didn't you know I'd be about my father's business? It's crazy. Mm. So, and this whole idea of realizing that it's not about you, here's where I'm going to get a little, and I was scared to say, I'll be honest. I was straight up scared to say this, but I'm going to say it anyways. We are so willing. How come we will sit there with our little girls and our boys, and we'll stand outside of Walmart for hours at a time, despite the weather, and we will sell Girl Scout cookies to everyone that walks past us, and we are so ready and so abruptly ready to demand, buy my girls cookies! And we're like, we're there. We're braving the weather for hours at a time. We'll stand out there and demand to sell these Girl Scout cookies. But when it comes to selling Jesus, we're like, nope, I'm uncomfortable. It's not about you. Like, it's not about how you feel. 
I'm just like, like, God wants you to feel amazing, but what you don't understand is that we only see this far. We can only see this far compared to his eternity of how far he sees. So you may think that you may not want to do that, but if God's asking you to do it, he has your best intentions in mind. Just do it and something great's going to come out of it, I promise you. So I just want us to get to that point where we realize, man, life is not about us. And I have to get over that every single day because I'm like, God, I don't want to get in front of all these people and talk about this. This is weird. Because I'm going to be honest right now. They look at me weird. They look at me funny when I'm up there. I'm sitting here trying to say all this great stuff to them. And they just be like. <laughs> you hear this crazy guy up there? What you talking about? What the heck is he saying? What, what, what is that? What is it, Jesus? So it's like, you guys something like, I'm trying to get hand claps. And you guys are just like. <laughs> looking at me all weird. It makes us feel weird up here. But I believe that you don't grow unless you're uncomfortable. Because if you're, if you're staying in your comfort zone, you don't need God. Your, the, the Girl Scout cookies are in your comfort zone. Saying, hey, have you heard about this message of Jesus, bro? That's God. That's out of my comfort zone. That's crazy. That can change someone's eternity. I'm not trying to change their hungry tummy. I'm trying to change their eternity. That's what I'm trying to do. So... We got we to gotta wake up. We got to wake up as a church. And I'm saying this because I don't say any of this because I don't, wanna, I don't want you to feel like I'm saying this to like hurt your feelings or anything. Because I had this, God had to say this to me first. I'm just telling you that right now. I'm saying this because there's potential in every single one of these seats. Because there was a person in here that God chose to have a part of this family to be about this mission, to be about this purpose. And we want you involved. We want you. I'm saying this because you guys are what is, you are going to, you're going to grow this church. It's you. You're going to fill up these empty seats. It's you. It's us putting ourselves behind and putting God in front of us. So when you, the Bible even says in the book of Romans that the true act of worship is to give your bodies and everything you have as a living sacrifice to God. It's not the music. It's not the songs. It's not the church attendance punch card. It's you living your entire life for one God. That's worship. Worship is the way you live. It is a lifestyle, not a song. A song is a form of worship, but worship is the way you live. It's a lifestyle. So when you have this epiphany, when you get that moment of, oh my gosh, that I got, that I felt, if you will accept it and internalize it, it will change everything that you do. It will make everything that you do from cook dinner for your family to go to work seem so much more significant. Because you realize my attitude about this spaghetti right now that just ain't coming out right is everything. Because it can change my whole family. Because what if my kids see me getting mad over spaghetti? What are they going to do? It's not about you. It's about what you're showing the rest of the world in your actions, in your attitude, and the way you talk, and the way you move, and the way in your life. That's worship. So we have to chase that vision. We have to chase God, and we have to chase all these goals that he set before us, and we have to chase Pastor Clay's vision with everything that we have. With all that we have, we got to be on board, and we got to chase it, we got to run after it. So how do we do this? And I know this right here. I know that when you have this epiphany, and you start living your life, and you start doing something crazy that's different from the rest of the world, people will try to knock you down. It does not stop when you're a kid. It continues when you're an adult. People ask you, what are you doing? You think you can really do that to your family? You think you can really bring that into your family? You think you can really get the Bible back in schools? You really think you can start that business? Huh? Really? That's dumb. You shouldn't do that. And all these negative things start to... Or in my own personal life, I work like 70 hours a week, people. It's crazy. And my friends at work go, Quinn, you work too much. Why are you doing that? You know, Quinn, you know it's like, it's, it's, live, it's work to live, not live to work. Don't you know that, Quinn? Come on, get your life right. What are you doing? Why are you working so much? Why are you always going to another, another job after you get off of this one? Why are you spending your weekends, like, stressing out about talking in front of people all the time? Why do you work too much, Quinn? Well, I'll tell you why. Because I believe it's not about me. 
Because I believe that there's a God, a real God, and a real heaven, and a real Jesus, and a real purpose, and a real mission, and a real place where people need to go to. And a real God who can really change our entire city. And I believe in this church, and I believe in this people, and I believe in this mission, and I believe in this vision, and I believe that if we follow it through until the end, our entire city will change, period. And that is why I work so much. So you got to... And that, that kind of brings me to my next thing, which is number two. Fill up on vision. Fill your life up with vision all the way up. This is how we reach the goal that had been set. And I'm going to share with you a goal that Pastor Clay has set for this church by the end of 2018 in a second. It's actually on that back screen. You just can't see it because it's too blurry because we haven't had that epiphany yet. Once we have that epiphany, we'll, we'll clear that back screen up so you can see what I'm talking about. But to reach these goals, to reach these things, you got to fill up on the vision. That's how you do it. you got to fill your life up so much that you're just overflowing, just spewing out this crazy vision that God's put in your life. So I want to show you what that looks like. I'm going to use this. This is all the negative things that get said to us all the bad things in our life, all the people that say that we can't do what we're supposed to do, that we can't start this business, all this negative stuff that happens in our life. When you start, when you start believing that the world's not about you, people will call you crazy. But I want to tell you that, that maybe they're crazy because they don't believe it because they believe it's about them. Like, really, you think God created this whole universe to be about one person? It's to be about one God. So, these are all the negative things that are currently in our life. This water is the vision of Christ that commandment that he gave his disciples. What happens when you believe in that vision and you put everything you have in that vision, all this other stuff begins to pick up. There's no room for it anymore. God begins to just kind of just pour right out. Look at that. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Oh, no, we ain't, no, we ain't done yet. There's some stuff, stuff in the note. There's, more's got to come out of there. There we go. There we go. There we go. There, there it is. There it is. There it is. Look at that. Look at that. Hmm. It officially seems like there's only room for vision. Check that out. Wait, 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 but wait, but wait. This is my favorite part. Check this out. I'm going to show you my favorite part. When you're full on vision, they can't get back in. All those negative, oh, no, we're going to try to, we're going to weasel our way back down in there. We're going to, nope, nope. Nope. There ain't no room for that anymore. This is what happens when you fill up on vision. When you fill up on the vision of Christ, there is no room for any of your past stuff before. Because all you, you just fill up on Jesus now. You're just ready to transfer that to the rest of the world. You got a vision, you got a purpose, and you got something to follow. You got something to run after. So when you wake up to that vision, when you have this epiphany that we're having right now, I am asking you, fill up on it. Leave here full of this vision, of this commandment, of what Jesus asked the disciples to do. Everything else that was in your jar, put it out. Overflow it out with a vision. Let the vision take over your entire life. Let it take over everything you are. Let it be everything you are. Let yourself live for vision. Let your body, your life be a living sacrifice to God. This is the vision. This is what it can do for you. This is what vision does. So... I don't, oh my gosh, that's just crazy to me. Blows my mind, guys. So, this is what God wants for your life. I'm telling you that right now. This is how you get somewhere. God does not want you in the seat. He wants you in the seat to learn, but he wants you in the street to change some lives. This, this is, so fill up on that. Fill up on this vision that we want you in the seat to come learn. We want you here. God wants you here to, to come fill up, to be filled up. Because when you, when you go, out, go throughout your week, you're going to be constantly pouring that water out to people. Constantly pouring that vision. Hey, guess what? There's a vision that you don't see yet. Let me help you have this epiphany. There's something greater than just you. You're constantly pouring that out. So you come back to church on the weekend to get filled back up again. So we want you in the seat to get, it's necessary to be in the seat to fill this back up. But what are you doing in the street? Or are you just overflowing yourself every single day in here? We want you to go pour this out on the street. Go pour this out to everyone you know in your whole community. 
This is how you change the city. This is how you change the world. Is you believe that there's a God that can do it. Yes. And you believe that if you follow his vision, not only can he do it, but he will do it. He will fulfill his promises. He will make it happen. We just need to, we need to have the mindset of we will do our part and go to the street and change some lives. So, this is the next point. Last one. Never look back. The last thing is never look back. When you fill up on this, this doesn't belong in your life anymore. You can't continue to look back at that. Because who's ever watched a horror movie? Anybody ever watched a horror movie with a, with a, or something with a murderer in it? What happens every time they got to introduce the killer to you and you got that one regular old girl running through the woods trying to get away from the killer? What, what does she do? She looks back. What happens if she looks back? <sighs> and then she's going to get eaten by the chicken. And, the next number, and the, the murderer's like, you, you, look, look how dumb you are. Mm, you dumb. Mm. When you look back, you're giving everything you just threw out a chance to catch back up. So I have a, I did a thing for our students called Legends. And I shared with them, I shared with them in that series that I did with them for Legends, that to be a legend, to be great, to fulfill God's purpose, Legends look forward, but remember backwards. You don't look backwards, you remember backwards. Your eyes, your gaze, your purpose, your life is fixed forwards. You are looking forwards, you are running forwards, you are diving forwards, you are sprinting full of the vision. You remember backwards. So when these negative people try to come back into your life, you could say, oh, no, no, I've already been there. I've already tried to do it your way. I'm going to do it God's way because his way is better. I've tried that way. It's time to do it the Jesus way. So you remember backwards and you can remember the person that you were before Jesus came into your life. You always should remember who you were before Christ came into your life. Because that is your testimony. That is what you do. That's what you show. That's what you use to prove God's power to the whole world. Look at who I was. I'm I'm not looking at it. I'm just remembering who I was, but my eyes are fixed on what he's done for me. Not only what he's done for me, but what he's still going to do. He is coming back. He will make all things new. He will change the earth. He will save everyone who believes in him. You can't look back. Because if you look back, guys, you're going to miss, you're going to miss it all. You're going to miss it all. And I don't want this church to miss it all. I don't want us to be stuck at stage one or stage two of Christian. When you be at stage three of running full sprint to the world? When you wake up in the morning, Satan should wake up and go, oh my gosh, that person's awake again. <laughs> this is terrible. When you wake up, all of hell should go, well, flip. <laughs> like all of hell should be angry because you're awake. They should be like, please take a nap, please take a nap, please take a nap, please take a nap, please take a nap. <laughs> Because you should be like, you know what? I'm going to go in there with a water pistol and shoot you on the face. Like, I'm serious. So I want to read you something else. I want to read you something that might, that might get you a little, a little frustrated. It got me a little frustrated. Because in this series that we went through called Killing Kryptonite as a family with some younger people that we did with them and as a staff as a church too, they, this guy named John Revere started sharing all these really cool things that the old church did. The old church did. The first church that started to get put together, that the, that the apostles and first disciples of Jesus started to put together. And they started sharing what was happening in that life. I want to read you one of those accounts in the book of Acts of, of some things that the first church did. And I, I honestly want... I want you to do like, I, I want you to get a little bit frustrated because I want you to see how amazing it was then and how amazing it could be now. And I want you to, get to, I want you to ask yourself, why don't we have that? It's not because of God. It's not because of God. So I want to re- read it to you. And it's in the book of Acts. It is in chapter two. And it's verses 43 through 47. And this is, this is after the meeting. They've already met. They're together as a church family. This is some of the, this is some of the things that are happening at that moment. A deep sense of awe came over them all, over all the apostles. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place, like us, and they shared everything they had. Whoa. Even the cookies. 
They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. You don't have to sell everything you have, but if God's telling you to do it, I would do it. You don't have to, though. And they worshiped together at the temple each day, met in their homes for the Lord's Supper. They met in their homes, not just church. They, they loved each other outside of the building. They were actual friends, like actual friends. Did you see what Jeannie did last week at church? That girl and that, no, they didn't do that. So now they shared the meals with, oh my God, they shared the meals with great joy and generosity, all while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all people. Here's the kicker. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship, those who were being saved. This is it. That's the Bible. That's the gospel. That's church. So I'm asking you, if God isn't adding to our numbers, you're like, well, I like my small church. Yes, but the gospel says tell everyone, not just our small numbers. So if our numbers aren't growing, if God, if if our numbers aren't becoming bigger than they are, it's not God's fault. Who's not following through on their part of the mission here? Who's not doing their job? Because this says in my Bible that when these apostles, when these disciples, when they were living their life for Christ, when they were performing miraculous wonders and signs, when they were meeting together in their homes, when they had friends, when they did it all, everything they did, when they did it all, all while praising God, giving him credit for everything that happened, he added to their numbers daily those who were being shaved in their fellowship. Why isn't that happening? It's happening. Don't get me wrong. It's happening greatly. We are growing. It's happening. But man, it should explode. Because this message that that we carry inside of us called the gospel of Christ should should change everything. This just gets me fired up. People are like, come on. I was like, let's change the world together. Let's fill up on this vision. Let's do something. Let's add to our numbers on the daily those who are being saved. This is crazy. So, I want to clear up this back screen real quick. I want to clear this up. That's the vision. That number. Guess how soon? I'm about to blow your mind. By the end of this year. By the end of 2018. This is a goal. This is a vision from our pastor. Given to him by God. And we should feel this weight too. Not just him, we should carry, we should help him carry this weight. We should carry this weight on our shoulders too. We should see that number of 5,000 people. Imagine this place of 5,000 people every weekend here, here, hearing this great vision, learning about Jesus, running out to the world to save the planet. Man, we we have to be incredible. This is the epiphany. This is the goal. This is what I want to show you. This is it. I've told you how to get here. Now let's go there. Let's run there. This is the goal. 5,000 people. And I was watching a movie the other night. And this awesome dude named Morgan Freeman said something in this movie. He said, if someone prays to God for patience, does he slam patience into their life? Or does he give them an opportunity to be patient? If someone prays for a better family life and a better household, does he zap the family with fuzzy feelings? Probably not. Or does he give the family an opportunity to grow closer? So when God says, Barefoot Church, change the world. Starts here, starts today. I want 5,000 people here by the end of this year. God says, I want 5,000 people here by the end of 2018. That's the goal. He's not gonna just... He won't just go, here's 5,000 people, boop. He's gonna give us an opportunity to reach 5,000 people. But I wanna encourage you in this. He didn't just give it to Pastor Clay. The vision came to him. And then he stood up here every single weekend and he invites you with an opportunity to reach this goal together. God has given us this opportunity. This is not a burden. This is not a task. That's not just a number. That's an opportunity for our family here to be something great. 
to change the world. And God's given that opportunity to us to be a church of 5,000 people by the end of the year. That is incredible. I mean, it's crazy. So I, I want you to take a second and I want you to look back at the fact that those tarps are still in those seats back there because they're empty. And yeah, I care about seats being full, but not because of the number, but because something sits in that seat and it's called a human being. And inside of that human being is a soul with a purpose, with a life to live for Christ, with an eternal destiny somewhere. And God has given us as a church an opportunity to take 5,000 of those by the end of the year and change their whole eternal destiny. This is what I want to get through. This is what God wants to get through. This is an opportunity. This is it. This is the purpose. This is the mission. This is why we're here. We want your talents. We want your gifts. We want you to be involved. We want you to volunteer. We want you to be on a team. Because I can can tell you right now, me as a 16-year-old kid signing up to volunteer in Kids World over there was the best decision that I had ever made besides accepting Christ in my life. Because it changed everything for me. Because it made me a part of something bigger than myself. It connected me with a church family. It gave me a purpose higher than just coming to church and leaving. It made me realize the vision, the goal of Christ for all humanity. And then it revealed to me my talents and my gifts. Because I believe... I really believe that you can't grow if you're not involved. I do. I really do. If all you do is attend, I believe there's a certain point where you stop growing and you can't grow anymore. Because that's like God saying, hey, you made the team. You made the cut. You're on the team. You're part of this. And then you just attend the games. You can see it happening. You can see the action. You can see the good stuff happening. You can grow but there's a cap because all you can do is grow to an attendee level. But if you get involved and you step on the field and you get in the game and you get in the street, you get in the cafe, you get in the kids world, you get in the unleashed student ministry, you get involved, you get in the tech team, you get on the worship band, then God can start moving in your life, showing you your talents, showing you your gifts, changing the world through you and your gifts and your talents and everything that you do. That's when you really experience growth is when you're involved in something, is when you accept that invitation that God puts out before us and says, this is you. This is our life. This is why we're here. It's to grow the local church. It's to have that epiphany moment. And this is crazy. This, I'm gonna close with this. The word epiphany means something different in our Native American language now than it did back in biblical times. I want to share with you where this word, believe it or not, started becoming popular. It's back in the nativity scene, actually, with these people called the Magi, or commonly known as the wise men. See, back in the Bible, the word epiphany meant the physical manifestation of of a Christ. It was an event that happened. An epiphany was an event. It was a manifestation of a celestial being or Christ. And I noticed there was a lot of backstory on the wise men, a lot of backstory on the Magi when they came to see Jesus. By the way, they also were not there at the birth of Jesus. They were there about two years later because the star appeared when Jesus was born and the wise men had to travel about two years to get there. It also says in the Bible that they also walked into the house. They walked into the room where Jesus was. Last time I checked, Jesus was born in a cave, so there wouldn't have been a room to walk into in a cave. So the wise men were there about two years after Jesus was born. So I'm like, what is the significance of all this backstory we get on these magi? Turns out they represent the Gentiles, all of us. The magi represent all of the Gentiles, all of the people who were not Jews. That's who the magi represent. Which is crazy to me because their epiphany was the day they saw Christ. Because the Magi represent the first day 
the Gentile race set eyes on Christ. Found what they had been looking for their whole life. Their whole life they had been looking for this Messiah, this Christ. Now, the reason why I say this is because Jesus was a Jew, born of Jews, lived in a Jewish town around Jewish people and a Jewish land. He would have been around Jews his whole life, his whole first two years, until those Magi came. They seeked, they sunk him out. Seek, sunk him out? Seeked him out? Seeked him out. Sought. Sought him out. Thank you, Frodo people. They sought Jesus out with everything they had because they knew there was something bigger than them. And then they stand for all the Gentiles. When they saw Jesus, the Bible says that that was an epiphany. That was the moment where they went, this is it. It's all about that two-year-old. Everything is about that child. They represent all of us. That's how we should be when we set eyes on Christ. Everything for us should all change like this. And go, that's what it's all about. So I want to do, I'm going to pray for us real quick and then I want to do something. So I want everybody to bow their heads and close their eyes. If you've never accepted this Lord that I've been talking about into your life, maybe today's the first day that you're having this epiphany that there's something bigger out there, that there's a Christ out there. And this is that day for you. Well, if this is that day for you that you've accepted that Christ is what it's about, that it's about his mission, it's about his purpose, I want you, and if you want to believe in Jesus for the first time today, I want you just to believe and just say something like this to God. Just confess it with everything you have to God. All you got to do is say something like this. God, I know that I messed up. But God, I believe in Jesus and I believe in your son. I believe in the death, burial, and resurrection. I believe that he was perfect. And God, today I've had my epiphany. And I want to be a part of what you're doing. God, I want you to be the Lord of my life. God, thank you so much for what you've done in this place. God, thank you for the amazing things that have happened and for your amazing work and for your amazing word. God, I pray that everybody leaves here different than the the way they walked in. And God, I pray these things in your son's name. Amen. I got one more thing I want to do. If you want to share in this epiphany with me, the same epiphany that God showed me, if you want to share in this with me, if you want to be a family, you want to show that great pastor over there in that chair that you want to be a part of what he's doing, I want you to stand up. Just so that we can show our pastor that we're on board with the vision. We believe there's a God. We believe in the Christ and the Messiah and the message that he brings in his word. And that this is it. And we're on board with him. The band's going to play a song real quick. Before they do that, if you prayed that prayer to accept Christ into your life, there's a team of people out front that want to give you this bag. This is the best. It's got some tools in here. Not, not just a book, but some tools for you to become everything that you were created to be. It's got someone, please pick this up on the way out. There's the people out front in a tent that will give you this bag and you need it because we believe this is your best. If you just believe in Christ today, this is truly your best day ever. I thank you all for being here. I loved having you. I love being able to preach the vision of the church. This is such, I, all I did was tell you the vision of the church. And I hope you're on board. I believe that you are. And I believe we're going to leave here different than when we walked in. And I believe that. 